Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast. This is a place where we talk with marketers about how they're using modern agile marketing te- techniques to improve the way they do their business each day. I'm Frank Days, your host today. Unfortunately, John Cass couldn't be here today. Something about a, a new job or family commitments or something like that, but certainly we understand that as this is a hobby for both of us. With me today is David Quinn. Uh, David, I met a few weeks ago at the Agile Marketing Meetup here in Boston. David works for EMC, a small storage company. Well, okay, maybe not a small storage company. One of the the world's, I believe, the world's largest storage company located here in the Boston area. David, I'm going to butcher your title. Can you riff off your title for me? Sure. Thanks, Frank. I'm the uh, Senior Director of the Corporate Marketing Engagement Office, which is a part of the Corporate Marketing Organization here at EMC. The cool thing about what David's doing is he's one of the, uh, among the people we've talked to on this podcast, one of the few people who's worked for a really a larger enterprise type company, someone who's doing it in a bigger organization and has really been through. Um, you are probably, as we go through this podcast, I'm sure uh, par- a lot of parallels to what I experienced in a public company when I was trying to do agile stuff at Novell, but I was doing it a bit more on the skunk work side of things. And it sounds like you've done it really as a core part of what your business is about. Yep, that's that's very true. Um, I would tell you that uh, the way we uh, got into Agile and started it up was, um, interestingly enough, and I think valuable to know, is that we went down a path towards Agile because we were uh, trying to address two serious business problems that we had. It wasn't a case of, hey, we should try this to see if it works and be interesting and fun. It was, how do we get through these kind of problems that we have? And uh, I can net those problems out really into two areas. Uh, The first was, um, I call it the corporate marketing view of the world, and that is uh, corporate marketing here at AMC is, as you might guess, uh, the standard sets of corporate services from brand and creative to the mobile opportunity, the digital world, um, all kinds of different areas and services that we provide to the rest of the company. Okay. Um, And the difficulty uh, from the viewpoint of the corporate marketing world was simply that Every single group of which there are uh, approximately 14 functional areas within corporate marketing, each group was being, was being approached by varying parts of the business across the company, other marketeers, uh, sales organizations, engineering organizations, partner organizations, for all the typical services that folks want to ask for. But each group was having folks come to them individually, and as I put it, it's just a stack of paper and requests and wants that grows and grows and grows and grows for each of these functional groups. And they're, in effect, have been overwhelmed with asks and requests. And as you might guess, as an originator of a request or what we refer to as a business owner, um, theirs is the most important thing in the world. They (laughs) they want their thing done and with good reason. Um, But what happens from the viewpoint of the functional marketing group is, okay, have to handle this. That person's pretty serious about it. Um, but w- not only do we not really have time for all of these, but how do I prioritize them? Wh- which of the 11 people that came to me in the last 48 hours is the most important? Which of these projects is the key project that I should be working on first? And that's very difficult for a marketing group to decide. In fact, each functional group decides for themselves what their priority is going to be without corresponding with their other peer groups. 
So mm-hmm. that that market corporate marketing manager has the the difficulty to say, well, I, I don't know what the priority should be. I don't know what anybody else is doing, so I'll just make a decision. And frankly, human nature says that decision gets made based on things like this. How did I work with this individual who's asking me for something the right. last time I worked with them, right? And if it was a great relationship and the person was thorough and you got along with that individual, they, they ended up pretty high in your pile. If the engagement with that person the last time wasn't perfect or there were frustrations, where does their ask tend to go? Bottom of the pile. Right. So that was the, the difficulty that I think you can see that the corporate marketing manager or functional area suffered from. Did you, guys ha- the- did you I'm sorry. Did you guys have a formal process for prioritizing or Absolutely not. It was left to each wow. of the functional groups to decide for themselves what's the most important. So it was it was individual effectively 14 individual judgment calls. Wow. Well, I used to, you know, we've talked on the podcast a bit about what I, and I worked at Novell. We had this process called interlock, which was something similar we had eight business units and and all the various resources would build sort of eight individual plans and you'd have these long epic meetings and massive spreadsheets and the end of the day one of two things happened the loudest voice got the most resources or the people who as you described the people who are have the best relationships get the most investment in what they're doing rather than what's most strategic to the business exactly right and and that's the the Nobody, no one was was not trying to do the right thing, but it just wasn't cohesive. Right. So, so talk to me about the process of getting started with Agile. I mean, was it you or one of your colleagues or one of your? Well, I'll tell you about that, but I just want to point out to you: there's two parts to the problem. Oh, great. One was, okay. One was the viewpoint of that corporate marketing person and how do they handle their their incoming business. The second was the problem from the viewpoint of the business owner, the people who came to. Co- corporate marketing looking for help and services. And what they did, in effect, was they ran around and they said, well, I have a project and I'm going to need some brand and creative help and I'm going to need some help in this group and help from the events group and help here. Okay, so I'll go knock on their doors and set an hour-long appointment with each of those individuals. And so they set four four meetings, an hour apiece, or seven meetings, an hour apiece, and they go sit and they talk to the individual and they tell them their story and what they're looking for. Uh, we've all heard of the game. You can picture sort of that Norman Rockwell painting where it's it's called telephone, I think, where one person calls another and then they call another and right. on and on and on and on. And it circles back to the originator at the end of the painting. And uh, the story that started out one way is totally different by the time it gets to the bottom. And what that says is we saw it as no one person heard the same thing. And so it, there was, again, a lack of cohesiveness. Um, it was a poor use of time for the business owner who went around to seven different groups and told the same story. That's seven hours of a business week. And on top of that, the business owner, not an expert in what all the services offerings the corporate marketing might offer, so they tended to miss people. Wow. And they didn't think of, oh, it's helpful to talk to the search people when I'm trying to do build out a microsite? Oh, I didn't know that. And things were missed like that. So you can see the two the two ends of the problem. One from right. the inside, if too many things coming at me. The other from the outside is I have to go around and tell this story a thousand times, and I probably miss things. Great, great. So I think you said, you know, how did we get started then? So there was this recognition of this business problem. Uh, we literally formed a group. Um, as I said, uh, it was a bunch of volunteers who thought taking on a second job would be a barrel of laughs. 
Uh, but I did get four or five volunteers to do that. And we went out, we did two things. We went out and looked at ways that we could change. How do you, how do you change the process that we use? And one of those things we looked at was the concept of agile. Some of us had some, a little bit of experience in the agile development world. So we investigated that. At, at the same time, we went out and sat with each of the corporate marketing functions and sat them down and said, if you had to complain about anything about your day-to-day, what would it be? And we compiled those sort of, we used to call them grief points uh, from all, all these groups, and we brought that back to our sort of planning sessions, which were basically half a day every day, and say, well, how do we help solve these problems? And in the end, we came to... Uh, a modified version of agile development, I guess I would call it. I used to call it marketizing agile. And we took some real concepts from there, but we didn't marry it completely. I'll tell you the truth. We we picked and chose the things that seemed to make sense to us, and we ignored some things. And that's been fairly common in the people we talk to who are practicing what is the modified version of agile, because I don't know about you, but I personally find... You know, I manage a team. My team has three people on it, and I've got four guys in sales. And if we were to sit and spend a lot of time on burn down charts and a lot of the other things, it just it's you know the, for for me personally, a lot of that stuff ends up being a lot of overhead. On the uh, other hand, on the other hand, music to my ears because that's one of the things we we've got to have a burn down chart, and we lasted about two months with that, saying this doesn't make any sense. Right, right. So I mean, for me personally, we 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 look at the average task and we kind of have a sense of how long a task takes and, and it, it's it's a bit of it's pretty imprecise but in some ways the real-time prioritization ends up being the bigger value than the, the kind of process I could not agree with you more. so how do you guys I mean how do you guys in terms of managing the amount of work you're going to do in a given sprint how do you manage that well, I'll tell you that we, within a particular sprint, we ask uh, whoever that business owner is or set of or groups that come forward and ask them to, uh, within the goals they're trying to achieve, to, to define what we call the marketing backlog. Like, what is it you're trying to produce? What are you looking for? And we identify all those items, and we ask them, frankly, to document or put down everything they can think of that they want to do. And then we come back to them and say, okay, there are 37 line items here. Now put them in priority order. And we start from that. And we say within a given, and we do have flexible sprints. Some of our sprints are two weeks. Some of them are four weeks. We make some judgment calls based on the type of work that can take place at the beginning of a particular project. Mm-hmm. And as we move through, we and this is where the agile piece comes in, as you know, is that we start to we find that, boy, that particular item there is going to fall apart. So right. we need to set that aside. What bumps up now? What in the backlog should come forward based on that? Sometimes it's if you lost number three, you go to number four. Right. Sometimes it's number three was this kind of a thing, and boy, that opens up space to do that type of thing. So you jump down to number eight and bring that up. So you've got these various units. You said 14 functional areas, right? Yes. That you support. Do you allocate capacity based upon, I know we can get 100 items done, so we take 14 divided by 100, or is it everyone asks and then you say, okay, you've got to, whoever's the head of corporate communications, or or do you have a, 
I don't know, a friend of mine once worked at Cisco, and she said, you know, they had a planning meeting they called Fight Club because everyone would get in the same room and they would fight over, you know, resources. Do you, how do you avoid that kind of stuff going on? Well, that's a great question, and that was another sort of live and learn kind of thing. We thought we were going to be uh, very scientific about it all at the beginning, and while we did do some really valuable work around identifying um, components of an asset, what does it take to accomplish something and steps and that kind of thing, we first thought we were going to attach all kinds of time to that, and frankly, that didn't work out for marketing to run it that way. And we backed off from that and we still use, we know what the steps are, but the time associated with it can change based on a hundred different ways the wind is blowing at a particular time. So we, we got away from that, but we do have meetings prior to sprints taking place. We have a couple of sets of meetings. The first is a, we call it the business objectives meeting where we bring the business owner who has the ask in just to the engagement team. Uh, an engagement manager will sit with them and say, okay, tell me what you're thinking of here and get grounded a little bit around that person, talk about the backlog, get some priorities from them. And the second meeting we have based on that first one is to say, okay, we will pull the proper people from these nine groups together from corporate marketing and let you tell your story to them. And we call that, and this is a little misuse of terms in pure agile, but we call that an iterative planning meeting. Okay. And that's where uh, the folks all sit together. One, they hear the same story at the same time. They also have the ability to ask questions, make suggestions that everybody else hears and plays off of at the same time. Is this the equivalent of the business owner, the product owners getting together and asking each other, or is this the product owner is talking to your team and just trying to get the clarity on what the tasks are? This is the product owner talking to our teams okay. and explaining their objective. And it's a two-way conversation because our teams say, okay, I think, uh, is this what you mean when you say this, that you're trying to get that done? I and see. then the, the product owner gets to say, yes, you're right on target. Or no, 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 no. What I really mean is, and it's a very, it's a very, it's a clarifying meeting, and it's an idea meeting because the corporate marketing teams will listen to the product owner. Uh, we call them business owner, but they'll listen to them and say, "Well, have you thought about doing this? Have right. you thought about that?" To which, so many times, that product owner or business owner says, "Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that, but I love that." So, do you? So, there are fourteen of these, or? Excuse me. There are fourteen of these, or fourteen. No, that's it's all one meeting. That's so it's the, one long. It's one right. long meeting, but it's it, it isn't even that long. It, it, we do we have this down to doing it in an hour, an hour and a half. Awesome! Wow. And and it's run by the engagement manager who knows who's been through it, who understands really what the objectives are and how to manage that meeting to get to the end goal. So this would be in, in typical. In typical in agile speak, it's, it's sort of the equivalent of the sprint planning meeting, but broken to two pieces. You've got exactly the one right. piece, which is more of a higher level objectives kind of. We I do it in one because you know, I bring in my CEO and head of sales, and we sit down and go, okay, what are the themes? Yeah, I, I try to get locked down the themes. Some people call them epics, you know, and try to get the high level themes, and then yep. then you can sit and go, okay, then you pull everything out of the back back backlog and kind of dump, exactly. dump it down. What do you guys do with the, the graveyard, as one of my colleagues calls it, the, you know, the tasks that get stuck in the backlog and never get out? 
Well, that's a that's an interesting question, and I think some of it has to do with the fact that we're a pretty large organization. Right. Um, some some of our major engagements, um, and we refer to them as campaigns, are in fact never ending. They have high points and slow points right. during a year, but they never go away. Um, so they go into sometimes they go into uh, remission a little bit, and then they're brought back to life, uh, but. For the most part, they're ongoing all the time. So in those cases, the graveyard items are pushed down the list. But when the next play or area that we want to drive towards comes out, they tend to pop back up. Others, um, let's use a launch as an example. Um, it's a standard thing. It happens at a certain point. You know, on, on July the 1st, we announce X, Y, and Z, and we have right. all kinds of efforts leading up to that. Well, once it's launched, yes, there's there's a cradle-to-grave kind of activities, but there are other things that just fell by the wayside that we either didn't get to or made a priority decision that these things are less important, let's not do them, and they maybe just shifted it off to the side and evaluated it again in a future launch, but otherwise they just put away for good. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the nature of the beast, right? I mean, sometimes things fall off the current sprint and into the backlog, and sometimes they fall off the backlog into the ether, right? We can delete right, and, and sometimes there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because the idea may have really not been that great in the first place, and the fact that it always kept falling back in the priority sort right. of says that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It tells you what you need in terms of you know, that real-time prioritization keeps people honest. How do you deal with, in the, in the developer's world, they have this thing called technical debt, which is the because you're doing so much real-time prioritization and you're doing, um, you know, there's a challenge. And I find this as well in my sprints where there are these longer-term projects, which are, I want to say, infrastructure-related. And that's not always the best way to describe it. But it's the something you know you need to do, but it just gets hard to rally enough people to do it. And they call the term they use is called technical debt. And it ends up being kind of, I don't know, and if you were a developer, it's sort of like building the class library that you're going to use instead right, of building the right. feature. Um, there ends up being, I don't know, cleaning out the CRM. I'm trying to think of the marketing descriptor. But there's yeah, it's, certain, it's, it's sort of nuts and bolts, boring, yeah. It's the Behind the that, scenes, you have to have it there to get something else done. None of your product owners are going to vote for this, right? Right, right. But you know you need to do it. You as the head of marketing communications, you know what it is. Maybe it's revising a template for something or some about us text or a value proposition. Uh, maybe I'm trying to think. Some of the infrastructure stuff that doesn't get anyone excited. Yep. How, how do you deal with that? I would tell you that we very often um, two two answers to it is one is we don't um, we may do a particular engagement around those kind of things yep. with a set of groups that have to do it and we may run it like an engagement that sort of for, there's nothing more exciting on the priority list than those things so it's just a question of prioritizing those things and so it tends to get done that way the other way is in all honesty. We don't put every single thing any one of these 14 groups does through the engagement process. Okay. And um, I describe it like this. And I think, you know, tell me if you agree or not, but it, we think it makes sense is that there are, pro lack of, I hate to use the word project, but let's use it, um, that come forward and need to get done. And then and there are other things. Some, some I refer to as one-offs. 
and that's the thing that comes over the transom right. and says, hey, you know where it says uh, 64 gigabytes there on that uh, page of the website? I, I need to say 128 gigabytes. Just do well, it. Well, we're not going to run an engagement around that. Just, just gonna, do it. Just do it, yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's plenty of those. And, and the other is uh, <laughs> uh, executive involvement. <laughs> we we get a lot of asks that come out of the, you know, the higher ranks in the company to do things. Well, guess what? We do them. Uh, and they need to be done in a day and a half, not two-week sprint or not a month or not four months. And you have to deal with those kind of things. So we don't necessarily put every single thing inside of the engagement process. We yeah. understand what makes sense, and we understand what doesn't make sense. And that's common. You know, I, we've talked to some folks who, and I, I'll, I'll cite our friends at HubSpot, who, you know, we were talking with Mike Volpe, the CMO of HubSpot, and he was talking about how certain things that they do while they are agile, you know, they try to push them through the agile process. There's things like, a, you know, their annual user conference. Look, I mean, you can break some of the pieces down and dump them into the scrum, but at the end of the day, there's a master spreadsheet because you can't sit here. You know, if you're buying media, this was a different conversation I had with someone else where you can't buy, you know, if I'm buying media and I get to get the better deal, sometimes you have to buy it six months ahead of time and buy a six month blog of it. I can't exactly. buy it the month before. I can't buy things. Some things I can't buy on the spot market. So there's um, a whole year planning that takes place in those kind of things, right? And, and I, I describe that as the the waterfall overlay. That's the turning yeah. point, which you know a lot of people have those. I think I've, I find myself doing that on things like webinars are a good example. You got a webinar coming up three weeks from now. I'm not going to dump it into my agile process. I know all the steps. There's no uncertainty. It's just going to happen. Right, and maybe it doesn't need 14 different groups to worry about it. You're just going to get it done. Someone just, the one person just needs to be producer, create a schedule, there's no uncertainty, you just do it. Right. Uh, so give me a sense of, uh, sense of what's not working or what do you think could work better. Sure, and, and you know, we pride ourselves on being, you know, two of the terms we use all the time, we ask everybody involved to uh, really buy into is that is be transparent and be accountable. And so to that end, being transparent and accountable, I can tell you there's plenty of pitfalls. And we've been at it for almost two years, and we've discovered a lot of different things. And when I talk to groups and people about it, I'm up front and forward with what those are because the sooner you realize them, just like you just described, like you realize after a while, like we can't force everything into this. That doesn't make sense. Right. The sooner you realize that, the better off you are. You're going to be that much better when you do real engagements. And from from our perspective, the real pitfalls that we've seen uh, are around areas that are real challenges for people are around scaling. Um, if you have enough engagements going on with the 14 groups and uh, SEO seems to be uh, critical to each and every one of them and the SEO organization is made up of a whopping three people, it's very difficult to attend 137 stand-up meetings. Right. And so we had to learn how do we handle that? Can we have this person sort of can we cover two things with one stone kind of thing so that they don't have to come to two meetings? And we worked very hard, continued to work hard to scale better. The other is, the other areas are, I call it checklisting. There's a natural human <laughs> desire to get into a stand-up meeting and start saying, okay, where are we on this? Where are we on this? Where are we on this? And checklist the items. And we are forever having to uh, take a step back and say, well, we're not here to checklist. That's not the way this works. 
it's an open communication about issues. Now let's take it from there. And I think the most important challenge that we found, without a doubt, um, and I can I like to talk endlessly on this one, but it's if you don't realize right away that this is a different way of doing things, and that the most difficult piece is that it's simple change. Nobody likes to change, no matter how open or or free somebody says they are. I don't believe it. No one likes change. And they may be willing to change X, Y, and Z, but I, I use the analogy all the time. But if they cut their lawns sideways every summer and you ask them to cut it up and down, they don't want to change that. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the way they run their groups. Well, we're good at this. We don't have need your help to tell us how to do it differently. I don't want to change. That was the greatest hurdle. Yeah. Uh, there are ways to get by that and proof points that help to sell people, but it doesn't happen overnight. Great. So what, um, just a couple of things in terms of, so you, you've, you've got some challenges here. How do you guys, so 14 parallel stand-ups each day, or is it a smaller number of parallel stand-ups? It's a smaller number. Um, remember, the 14 groups, are the, that's the realm of possibilities that somebody might want to tap into. Right. Um, so any particular engagement might be using three groups, four groups, nine groups. Um, but live and learn, we started off with daily stand-ups. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Not practical. So we backed them off and said, okay, in this particular engagement, the engagement manager makes a business decision that says, you know what? three times a week is plenty here, or in some cases, two times a week is plenty here. Uh, we can achieve what we need to achieve because we know we have to scale and we can't have everybody in these meetings all day long. Um, to, the, to the argument of change, they all said at the beginning, like, all I'm doing is going to meetings. And we finally counted on back to that, that um, list that we interviewed them all at the beginning and said, what's your greatest pain point? And when nine out of ten groups came back and said, I need to know what's going on at the ground floor when it first starts, not halfway through it. And we were able to point back and say, the reason you're going to these meetings is so that you're in on the ground floor. Great. And not finding out about something halfway through the process. Well, that's amazing. That is kind of amazing that you guys have been able to make it work for you. Um, last question for you, and then we, we should probably sign off. A uh, question for you is, what advice would you have to someone Someone out there is listening to this podcast just thinking, this is great, David. What can I do? I mean, what one or two pieces of advice would you give to them in terms of getting started? Uh, I have some basic tenets that I work from at this point. And the further I go in this, uh, the truer they become to me. And that is, uh, first of all, I tell anybody, start simple, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple. Do not overcomplicate it. It will become frustrating. Um, try it. Try it. In, in the true sense of agility and agile, be agile yourselves. Try it. Try it. Try it. But if, try different things. And when they fail, that's okay. Accept it. Learn from it and move on. Don't beat it to death. Just jump from it and move on. But no, and, and we're very fortunate here that we have executive backing that says, try it. If it fails, it's okay. No one's getting their their head chopped off. And they really believe that, and we're able to work like that. It's fantastic. But you live and learn that way, and you get better and better and better. So Great. be flexible like that, and show the people you're asking to change what the benefit is to them. Don't just tell them you're going to change, but show them the, the benefit to them. Great. That is awesome, David. 
Well, just to recap a couple of the points you made today, some of the motivations for thinking about Agile, having really two specific service-oriented problems, one, the corporate marketing view of the world, the other one, the view of the world from the business owner and tapping into the resources in your corporate marketing world. You started, you guys started it with a, I don't, I don't want to use the word skunk works, but a small team, you know, to kind of champion the idea and then grew from there. Had some people on there with some agile experience. That seems to be a recurring theme I've heard with people as well. I think in terms of people who knew a little bit about agile, but not. And then tried to work through what you called grief points to try and solve the problem. Not using everything that Agile has to offer, but took the concepts, the inspiration, the theories, the you know the things that, and took all the good stuff without not necessarily all the extra excess overhead. Not not necessarily scrumming daily, burned out charts maybe not, but really trying to adapt it and trying to get the maximum benefit out of it. Uh, two kinds of sprint, two parts to your sprint planning process: business objectives meeting, which is kind of more a higher level meeting to discuss things that are going with the business owners and then I'm going to get this you call it you call it your iterative planning meeting with the iterative plan, planning iterative meeting, planning right. meeting I got the words out right there with trying to clarify yeah. it a, a quick meeting trying to get everything into the backlog hour and a half move fast I like that a lot and then um, not everything goes through agile that's I've seen that with others as well some things like maybe little asks or executive asks and then um, Trying to improve transparency and accountability can always be always want to try and do more of that. And finally, advice to people who are out there. Keep it simple. Start simple. Most importantly, try it. Try different things. And don't be afraid of failure because you can learn from it. Anything I missed there? Wow, that's a big mouthful. <laughs> I thought you did an excellent job, I have to tell you. The only other thing I would say is understand change is painful. And that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, that's the truth for everyone. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, just as a reminder to our listeners out there, people in the Boston area, the Agile Marketing Meetup, November 13th in Boston, actually in Cambridge, at HubSpot, HubSpot World Headquarters. Again, Mike Volpe, who is a, a veteran of the podcast, and HubSpot really innovators in marketing and also just in the way that they do their marketing. I'm very excited. We had... Uh, David did the, was our last speaker. I think we got from eight. I was the previous one. I, we had eight people. I think David had 16 or 18 people, which means we're going to get to 32 or 40 for HubSpot. So if you're in the Boston area, November 13th, please come join us on First Street in Cambridge. The information is on uh, meetup.com. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Agile Marketing, uh, you can you can visit agilemarketingblog.com, which is, yeah, I just changed the theme and I've done some updates on it, the home of the Marketing Agility podcast. John also blogs a little bit uh, about Agile on pr.typepad.com. I, I always have my running joke with John about that. And uh, obviously, David is going to be, it sounds like the, the meetup groups have been you, David, to do uh, kind of the rounds and share a little bit more. Exactly right. It's, it's a great story, a great enterprise story. Um, I've got a few others in, in the backlog of people who want to talk, a friend of mine who's had another public company. So we're starting to see people adopt Agile in different ways, and we're very excited about it. David, thank you again for joining us today, and have well, a great day. Thank you. You're very welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Take care. Thanks, Frank.